our reading is in Acts chapter 15, beginning at verse 36. Some time later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul didn't think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left. Commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jew and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and, and, like, and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they travelled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in number. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, we're going through uh, the book of Acts together. And um, this bit of Acts that we're looking at now is essentially what's called Paul's uh, second missionary journey. And on the back of your words, you might just want to have it briefly. I'm just going to quickly in a second go through uh, his journey and, and just say a little bit about what happened if you look at that uh, in front of you as part of that. Just to say at the back of your Bible, often I'm talking about physical Bibles, but at the, if you've got a physical copy of the Bible, you'll often find the maps at the back. If you use someone who struggles to picture where Paul was, what he did, what was going on, actually it's just quite helpful sometimes to have that along with you. Prompted by prayer and by the Holy Spirit, Paul sets off to check up on these new churches that he's planting, where he's gone and shared the good news of Jesus and his resurrection. So let me just pray before we begin. Father, thank you that we are the same carriers of your good news. Father, thank you that we have received your good news or have received some of your good news or know of your good news this morning, however we understand it. Father, would you help us this morning to hear your voice again over our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if you've got your map uh, in front of you, you'll find it actually starts on the right-hand side of Antioch. Uh, that's pretty much where he starts. Paul starts there and then um, eventually picks up with Timothy and they head into Asia Minor. Uh, and Rosemary read that bit where Paul heads off uh, with Silas and they head off and they go into Asia Minor and they visit some of the places where Paul has preached on his first missionary journey and there'll be little communities have already started, little churches begun uh, to grow. And his purpose was to go and encourage what had already been planted. That as they, led, they were led by the Spirit of God, they were listening to God's Spirit, they were preaching and teaching. Then you'll notice that a little bit later, 
says something quite distinct. It says that actually the Holy Spirit stopped them preaching. The Holy Spirit actually said, stop doing what you're doing and didn't, didn't do that. But actually all through it, we find in this whole account that goes into chapter 18 too, we see that Paul is listening and Silas are listening to the Spirit of God. How do we see that? Well, we see here where they're being led, but also where God says stop. Further on, we find there's a vision. that Paul is given a vision about going to Macedonia. As they head to Philippi, they meet this group of people praying together. Then they meet this lady called Lydia. Um, it's really famous in the book of Acts, who is a successful businesswoman. An amazing encounter with this one lady who they lead to faith in Christ that changes the course of history in many ways. What we find as we move on to this story is that Paul then carries on um, and had headed to Troas and carried on in Philippi. Um, And actually Paul encounters uh, this fortune teller with an evil spirit. We often don't talk about evil in that way so overtly uh, today, but here um, Paul prays for and casts out this evil spirit and this fortune teller who was making money through the handlers that they, they had, means that they were really angry. And they put Paul and Silas over kind of various disagreements and put them back in jail. As Paul's doing the work of God's kingdom, so there's opposition, there's offense, and they get put back in prison. Those who know the story will know that actually an amazing encounter happens in the prison when they're back in prison again. And there's a dramatic earthquake where Actually, the prison is opened, their shackles are bound, but Paul and Silas stay actually in the prison and don't run away and try and escape. The Philippian jailer who's responsible is about to kill himself, but Paul and Silas said, there's no need to. We're still here. As a consequence of that, they get to share the good news of Jesus with this jailer, and both the jailer and his whole household have a beautiful encounter with God and turn their lives to Christ. After this, you'll find is that having been in Thessalonica, they then head down on the, on the left-hand side of your green line uh, through Berea and then on down to, uh, to Athens, first in Macedonia, in Thessalonica. Um, and they see many Jews and Gentiles come to faith in Jesus. As they preach, as they teach, as they share the goodness of Jesus, people come to faith, but also it makes lots of people very angry. They get lots of persecution, they get lots of hassle. And this also is one of the things that propels them on to the next place, on and down into Athens. Now most of you already know that Athens was a, a place of incredibly high cultural, intellectual and philosophical persuasion. You know, it's kind of seen itself as the elite of the elite. And actually the Athenians are curious about Paul. Who is this man? What is he teaching? Who is this Jesus? that Paul is teaching, they were interested in ideas, they're interested in thoughts, and they actually took Paul serious, seriously, or many of them did. And in Acts 17, there's this really famous speech that Paul gives to kind of teach them who it is that Jesus is, who God is, to the unknown God. It's a beautiful piece of preaching to talk of the joy of knowing Christ, of who God is, even though they don't know him by name. Some give their lives to Christ, many are sceptical, and actually as a consequence of that and some of the hassle they continue to get, as well as they head on then from Athens, you'll see down on the bottom left, 
They had to head on to Corinth, where they'd been before, uh, to go and encourage to see the church build up there. And actually, they spent a long time there. They spent up to, I think, possibly 18 months nurturing the church community that was already there to try and bring it to fullness of life before finally via Ephesus, Rhodes and Patara, down to Caesarea, Jerusalem, and back to where they started, to Antioch. The whole journey is said to say between two and a half to three years of their life. Lots of different encounters, lots of dramatic things. Acts 17 is one of the really beautiful passages, looking at three very different encounters of people. And what it's a reminder is, is that as Paul and Silas and Timothy go and share the good news as they sow seeds, God is at work in some of their li- in some of these people's lives. So what's my simple, I really have one thing I just want to encourage you with today. As I read these accounts, it's very clear that Paul cares deeply, not just for the churches that he's planted and to see them fulfill all that God has planted in them. But actually that he loves God and wants to see the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. They don't, God listen, Peter, Paul listen, sorry. They don't preach when God says stop. They do preach when he says go. They respond to the vision God's given them. God arranges them to encounter these people on the journey. And bear in mind, some did persecute, but there were many who were open to Paul to the message that he had and the message that he shared. Led lots of people to Christ, baptised them, and also delivered people from unclean spirits. So simply this is that I know it's a very dramatic encounter, but I want to challenge us this morning really with one simple thing. Do we have a sense of purpose in our Christian life? Do we have a sense that actually we're living for God? But actually, we're not just tootling around, doing our thing. But there is a sense of God has called us. A sense of God's hand is upon us. And he's called us and had good plans and good purposes for our life. That means that he's shaping our choices day by day. Are you saying yes to some things and no to other things? What are you saying yes to and what are you saying no to? And is that anything because of the Holy Spirit's prompting in your life? Or are you just doing a lot of stuff and some of it happens to be for church? A few years ago, um, a kind of quite well-known book in the church, in the church probably about 20 years ago now, called The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. It was very popular at the time. And I encourage you this morning, if you're someone who actually, when you're being honest with me, rather than just sort of, going through the motion and said, do you know, I am a bit at sea. I'm struggling to know whether I have any purpose or what God's purpose is for my life. You could do worse than actually read that book or reread that book. Because today, take heart, your life is not an accident. You're uniquely created and made by a God of love, an extraordinary God of love. And we were called to live for his joy and his pleasure, to be secure in his welcoming arms, and to live for Christ day by day. And actually that means that if actually our life is now Christ, that God has good plans and purposes. That doesn't mean to say we have an easy life, but it is a life of purpose, 
our life of living for him, of things that we're called to do that only we can do, to connect with people only we can connect with, to make a real difference in the world. You and I were created to bless others. We were blessed, we are blessed to be a blessing. The God, the infinite God, the beautiful God, the wondrous God, the powerful God, the God of splendor and might has made us his own. Paid us, paid for our lives through the price of his only son. And when we begin to grasp that, we begin to grasp who he is and what he's done for us, nothing we do becomes a thing of chance. You know, we sat here thinking, well, yeah, that's quite interesting. But it was the famous atheist Bertrand Russell who said this. He said, unless you assume a God, the question of life's purpose is meaningless. In our culture, because God is getting further and further sidelined, what we're left is simply that life is chance and all that's left is me. And actually God has bigger plans and better plans for our lives. And as we look through the book of Acts, it can be a bit intimidating. Seeing God at work so manifestly, so many people coming to Christ, people being healed, people being delivered. He said, well, that's not where I am, Tim. That's not where we are. Actually, yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe that is true. But the question is, as we read the book of Acts, as we see what God has done in the past, does that give us a hunger for more of what God would want to do in our present? This thing, a fuller glimpse of God, does that warm our heart to what God could do and wants to do in my life? And to, as someone famously said, run with the horses, or does it make you shrivel back and want to hide. One of the great side details in this passage is right at the beginning, someone called John Mark. And right at the beginning of the passage, Rosemary read, John Mark is someone who'd failed previously in the missionary journey. That's why there was a dispute that Rosemary talked about. And Paul didn't want him coming with him on the missionary journey. But actually, he heads off. Um... He does actually head off and heads off to Cyprus, but not with Paul. And it may be this morning you sit and think, you know, I've heard it before. I've failed before. God doesn't want to use me. He wants to use other people. God is gracious and merciful today. God is looking for people with soft hearts, repentant hearts, who want to play their part in his purposes, in his story. You can be healed. There are second chances, third chances. God is the God who speaks life, even when we think there's death. A chaplain uh, was speaking to a soldier during the war in a hospital bed, and the chaplain said to this person, in the, this soldier who was in the bed, he said, you've lost an arm in the great cause. The soldier turned around to him and said, no, with a smile. I didn't lose it. I gave it. Part of the reason we're called to purpose is that actually we look at the life of Jesus, who didn't lose his life, but he gave his life for us so that we could play our part in his great redemptive plan. So maybe as you think about, I know it's a summer month, the sun's gloriously out. As we think about a new term, as some of the kind of our, our owner heading off 
on a mission trip or a pilgrimage or whatever it is, maybe you need to just quietly think this morning, where do I need to join in with what God's doing? Who do I need to meet up with pray? How can I become part of a life group? How can I become part of toddlers or make a difference with other Christians? What is it that God is speaking to you this morning about who, how you can play your part in his purposes? Let's pray. And just take a moment to pray before we respond in worship.